You're probably wondering what I called you all here for. Well, of course, it's for another episode of My Seminary Life, the show where I recap the things that I'm studying in grad school right now. Hey, everyone, I'm Brandon Knight, your host. And today we're going to be talking about the exciting world of volunteers, casting vision, and maybe firing people. I don't know. All this week we were talking about in ministry administration, volunteers, how to get volunteers, why it's difficult to get volunteers, and why it shouldn't be difficult to get volunteers. Thanks for dropping in. If you're new to the show, please make sure you uh, subscribe wherever you're listening to this show. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at My Seminary Life Pod to keep up with weekly updates as well. So let's talk about this whole idea of volunteers. It's this long-standing tradition within church history that it's really difficult to get volunteers for your ministry. And in the class, what we discuss is that the reason why it's difficult to get volunteers is because we're not doing it right. We're not we're not presenting the pitch well. That is that is what it comes down to, is that the desperate pleas from the pulpit of, please, we need more volunteers, please, it's not, that's not good enough. That's not, that's not the best, most efficient way to get volunteers. Now, interwoven into all of the lecture notes that I'm reading for this lesson this week is a lot of business buzzwords, a lot of nobody wants to be on a losing team. You want to be on a winning team. And as I guess good as all of those, that mentality can be, it's not, it doesn't sit well with me. It honestly, it makes me kind of feel a little icky the more business-y this gets. I don't want to say the more professional this gets. I will say the more business-y that it gets. And the reason why I don't want to say that this is professionalism ruining everything is because you'll find out on Wednesday. Because on Wednesday, I have a special one more thing featuring friend, pastor, boss, Scott Irwin, talking about professionalism in the church and why it is a good thing. So, but when we start talking about all these buzzwords of, you know, be a winner, present yourself as a winner, all these type of things, it just that stuff feels icky. <laughs> I don't, I don't like it. I really don't like it. And I, this is the in, internal struggle that I often have to have of where do you play the game and where do you say. I don't want to play the game. Where where do I draw the line at saying this is the way that things are in church ministry, so you have to play the game this way in order to succeed and to grow a ministry? And when do I say, no, this is toxic. This is not something that belongs in the church. This is the internal struggle that I have frequently. And I have I have friends in my life on both sides of the spectrum. I have friends in my life that, you know, kind of see this stuff and can rationalize of like, well, you know, this is where we see this in 
scripture of how this can work out. And then I have other people in my life who would say, yeah, if the pastor ever said that from the pulpit, I would immediately leave. So volunteers. <laughs> volunteers. It's hard to get volunteers. It can be hard to get volunteers. And a lot of times, as this class this week in the notes pointed out, is because we have we go about it with the wrong approach. Not that the making the announcement from the pulpit is a bad idea, but it should not be the first line of defense and it shouldn't be, and it shouldn't sound like a desperate plea for help. In scripture, it talks about how it makes it clear that we're not supposed to be doing this alone. You know, you go back to the very fabric of humanity in Genesis chapter three, Two, that it was not good for Adam to be alone, so God made him a helper. Like, you know, you go to Ecclesiastes and you look at two heads are better than one. You know, you look at this type of stuff of it's interwoven into the very fabric of what it is to be a human that we're not supposed to be doing things alone. We're supposed to be a team working together, you know. I feel this all the time with this podcast where I'm the one man show, so I can't do all of the work. There's a, as the great Dirty Harry once said, a man's got to know his limitations. Should I try that again with a better Clint Eastwood voice? Let's try this. <clears throat> a man's got to know his limitations. Oh, yeah, that was a lot better. A man's got to know his limitations. Like a man's got to know how far he can go as a one person show. I did not mean for all of that to rhyme, and somebody's going to text me about that. <laughs> a man can only go so far as a one-person show, which is why I introduced something like One More Thing, where other people can come in and join into the conversation and bring an entirely different perspective and depth of knowledge that I don't have. Great stuff. But the Bible is clear that, like, we're not supposed to be doing this alone, you know. You even, I just, uh, this morning was reading in my devotions, uh, Luke, excuse me, Luke chapter 10, where Jesus sends out the 72 into, out ahead of him to be messengers that the kingdom of God is at hand. And he doesn't send them out one by one. He sends them in groups of pairs. You, you know, someone could see that as like, well, you could have covered even more space if you would have done one by one by one. But instead, two by two by two, you have a more effective ministry because you're working together. Professionalism. The thing that I have a hard time with is that a lot of times when this conversation of you need volunteers, you need to build a staff comes up, we always go to that story in Exodus where Moses is Moses is inundated with judging people's claims and his father-in-law is like you know you should get some men here to divide up this work and that's always seen as like this gold standard for you know this is this is in principle where you should get the idea that you need a staff to accomplish ministry and i i agree the elements are there for that but i'm wondering in light of context and in light of maybe a Jewish understanding as well, is that really the point? Is that really the point of that passage? You know, we see it again in the book of Acts chapter, I think it's chapter six, where the apostles uh, get a complaint from a group of women that they're not getting the daily distribution. So they 
decide to find men who are of good of uh, good report, full of the Holy Spirit, and that's how you get Stephen, and they go and they call these men and they take care of the distributions so that way Peter and the rest of the apostles they don't have to forsake doing the praying and teaching element of ministry. So it's it's in the Bible in various spots this idea that we need to be working together whether that's the actual literal point of that story in Exodus, I'm not sure. There's this part of me that feels skeptical that maybe there's actually something more going on in that story, but I just haven't had time to dig my teeth into it. Hey, if you have any more knowledge on that story in the book of Exodus that I'm talking about, head on over to email seminarylife at gmail.com. Shoot me an email and let me know or drop into the show's DMs. You can even leave a voice message on Anchor and I can play it here on the show. Fun fact. Anyway, so we're not supposed to do ministry alone. We need to build a team. How do you build the team? Well, of all of the things in the lecture, we had two lectures this week, one video, and one PowerPoint. Of all the things that was in the lecture, there was two that really stood out to me. One was just a clever idea. I've seen churches do this before. So if you're listening to this and you are in church, you know, you are part of a church or parachurch ministry and you want to drum up some volunteers, have a ministry fair. I've seen this done at a church before one other time where they have a special Sunday where that is the entire point is to get new volunteers. And so it was a normal church service. I think it was a little shorter because then they had in the hallways and in classrooms all the different ministries with booths set up and information and sign-up sheets. And it was cool and enjoyable. I really enjoyed it because on the side of the person who is walking around getting all this information, it was just really cool and really encouraging to see all of these people so passionate about their ministry. It, it was cool. Like It sounds a little corporate-y, I get it, like you're going to a job fair, but it is kind of cool to see everyone's passion and drive for their ministry from the men's Bible study to the parking lot committee. Like it was really cool to see everyone's like passion for we're here to serve the church in its own niche or very important way, you know? So ministry fair, consider that if your church doesn't have that. My home church, we don't do like a ministry fair. We do more like each week there seems to be one ministry in the commons area that has a sign-up sheet. You know, it's either the small group ministry or the women's Bible study just has a sign-up sheet and a person standing there to talk to people as they come by and, you know, I guess give them the sales pitch. You could look at it that way. The other thing that stood out to me, and this was probably the life skill that I need to learn more. So thanks, thanks, professor, for including this in the in the lecture notes. Is this idea of the pitch? So when you pitch somebody an idea, how do you? What do you talk about? Okay, whether it's a ministry, a ministry event an idea for a podcast, uh, something that a project you and your spouse need to work on. When you pitch somebody an idea, what do you focus on? And in the lecture, it talks about how 
primarily what you what people normally focus on is the plea. I need help. Okay. Reflecting on my own life, I do not do that at all. I do not reflect I do not spend time on the plea. I actually spend time on the details. I overshare. I inundate with information. I inundate with this is what we need done and this is how we're gonna do it and da 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 rather than focusing on the vision. Okay. So in the notes it says that a good pitch is 80% vision, 20% plead. Okay. You need to make it clear that you need the help. That needs to be a part of the that needs to be a part of the plea is or that needs to be part of the pitch is that you need help but primarily it should be the vision for what you're trying to accomplish here don't get bogged down in the details you know details are good people will ask questions but you need to focus on the vision of the ministry of the event of the podcast project of the whatever you need to focus in on the vision which means if you don't really have a clear-cut vision for whatever it is you're doing you should really work on that first <laughs> please get that together first before actually pitching somebody an idea or pleading with them to join a ministry and it's because people like direction and they like being part of something bigger you know anyone can feel sympathetic and hop on to a ministry for a plead but from studies done it shows that that's how you create a culture of a revolving door of volunteers or of staff members is that they feel more guilty than they do that they're rather than buying into a vision that they are excited about okay and like I said, for my own personal life, this is just a general life skill that I'm not very good at. <laughs> I get bogged down in the details. You know, so I look at things like my seminary life and I've been asking for a while, hey, how would you like me to grow this show? I want you all to tell me how you would like me to grow this show. Why? Because I want to. <laughs> I want to grow this show. But the thing about, like I said, the the issue on my end is there are so many different ways I can grow the show. I am just one person. I need to choose a direction that best fits me and my life, but also caters to you all, the listeners. Why? And this comes back to the vision. You know, the vision for this show is to help you know and experience God more in your life to encourage you to keep on studying. I like how I've actually like hit a tone for that now. Like there's a certain way that that has to be said. It is truly it is truly a catchphrase now. Anyway, like <laughs> proof that I get bogged down in the details. Um the point of all of this is to direct you to God intellectually and emotionally. So how can I best do that in your life? And there's been some feedback there, and I'm looking at different options, and I think we're headed in a good direction there. But the the point I'm trying to get here is that 
I want to cast a vision, you know, I want to include you all in a vision, take you on a journey, a journey that will involve you experiencing and knowing God more and get you into the weeds of scripture, of good theology. That's where, that's the journey I want to take you all on. Do you want to be a part of it? If the answer is yes, then listen to, keep listening to more episodes. If the answer is yes, then let me know. How would you like to see that expand this year? I want you to be a part of this journey with me. There was also a section on this lecture notes this week on how to fire volunteers, which is the silliest, but also probably the most like practical thing I've ever read in my life. You know, nobody actually talks about how to fire a volunteer. Usually you don't fire volunteers. I'm pretty sure that's a joke in the Bill Murray Christmas movie Scrooged. I'm pretty sure there's a joke in there about how he like tells his uh, love interest to fire some volunteers. And she's like, they're, they're volunteers. And he says, they act like this every day of the year. I guarantee it. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Bill Murray is very distracting to me. Um, yeah, you, you, sometimes you have to fire volunteers. And what this comes back to isn't that they're not doing the job well. That's not the point. The point is looking at it from the lens of m severe moral fa failures, I guess you could say, you know, those type of issues. I can't remember if it talked at all, if it if this is what you do when it's an issue of the volunteer isn't paying off well in the ministry. And I think if it's ever, if it was ever presented that the volunteers aren't getting the work done, it's a reflection on you as a leader, which is an interesting thought. Earlier this year, I read um, The Art of War by Sun Tzu. And as much as that is a, the, like the Bible for martial artists and seen as like this military book, it really is a book on leadership it really is a book on moving pieces on the board and a lot of that does come up in the art of war that if the people who are following you aren't getting the job done more than likely it is a reflection on you as a leader you need to improve in your leadership skills you need to make the vision clearer in the lecture notes even went as far as to say is are you a likable person this this class is really a TED Talk, folks. <laughs> this class could have been an email. Um, but yeah, sometimes you have to have the hard conversation with volunteers when they maybe step over the line in a moral area uh, into immor immorality. Immorality? That's a word, right? Whatever. It's a word now. Immorality. And I'm probably trying to say immortality, and that's not the right word. You spend, you give them, you know, you might have to send them along. But more than likely, if it's an issue of someone's just not bought into the ministry, not bought into you, not bought into the vision, they'll just leave on their own, you know? So, yeah, this is our week on volunteers. Don't just plead and plead from the pulpit desperately. Try to convey a clear vision to people. I want you to know and experience God more in your life and to keep on studying. 
I'm never going to be able to say that normally again. And I want you to come along with me and I want to expand the ministry. You know, I see our time is starting to run down here. So again, wrapping this up, bring the, bring your volunteers on a journey, cast them a vision, be willing to have the hard conversation when there is moral failure among among your volunteers and get creative with how you do the pitch. The best possible way, I guess I should throw this in there here before we really get out of here, the best possible way to um, bring people into your ministry is by face-to-face invites, but you can do the plea from the pulpit. You can send an email. You can have the ministry fair, but the best possible way to do this is just to go to the person or couple, whatever it is, take them out to coffee, take them out for a donut, bring them into your office and, you know, make them a cup of tea, whatever, um, and have a conversation with them and make them feel noticed. They are a person. They are not a cog in the machine to get ministry done. And I do draw the line there. That was never said in the actual lecture notes. But that's that's where the business mindset eventually starts to fall apart for me, because these are not just cogs in the machine to get work done. We are partners in ministry together. Let's start wrapping this up. What's going on in my life? Well, um, what is going on in my life? Well, last week I ended up going to see Morbius and it was fine. The end. That's the whole review. And then this past week, I have been writing four sermons this week. I've written, I'm working on sermon number four. Um, one is it was a men's ministry, a Bible study. I already got that done. Uh, I got two tomorrow, one Sunday morning sermon and one Sunday night small group meeting, and then Verge on Wednesday. So a lot of studying this week, but also a lot of Mario Kart. That's why I've been doing to interrupt my studying. I think that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming in week after week to listen to this very weird ministry administration class. I don't know if we're learning. If I don't know if I've learned anything, but it's given me things to think about. Again, coming up on the feed this Wednesday is our special One More Thing featuring Scott Irwin talking about professionalism and the church. I think I've already told you all the details. Email seminarylife at gmail.com, at my seminary life pod on Facebook and Instagram. Let me know if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the show or about what could be the next new phase of the show. Right now, I would say the most popular answers have been the lectures and workshops and also subscription episodes. So if those do interest you, let me know we can continue to push this ball forward. Also, finally, every Thursday now on Instagram, I am going live. Just something new I'm testing out on something new I'm testing out on social media. Social media is always kind of in flux of what I think is working and not going over. 
And this is something I'm trying out. So it's just a little time of devotion and also prayer. That is definitely something that you can expect to happen on the Instagram Live is prayer and also a short conversation about something else. And it, I found out I can post those as just normal videos after the fact. So if you miss it, you can check it out. I'm trying to go live right around 1 o'clock Central Time to do these as well. So. And I think that's it for today's episode. Thanks again for listening. And as always, keep on studying.